This is Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open, this is your Trek FM hyperchannel for Monday, June 2nd, 2014. I'm Christopher Jones, and we have two stories for you today. DIY Enterprise, the next generation of 3D printing, and George Takei Tweet boosts solar roadways. First up, what do you do when you want to depict the destruction of the USS Enterprise from the search for Spock, but all you have on hand is the Millennium Falcon? And you only have 15 minutes to remedy the situation. Well, of course, you 3D print the Enterprise. I mean, come on, it's 2014 after all. But even this solution could normally take five hours. What you really need is a miracle. But don't call Scotty. Instead, call Yong Chen of the University of Southern California, Viterbi School of Engineering. And there's a new video that's been put out by the school where the venerable 1701 is resurrected in just 15 minutes. That's right, 15 minutes to 3D print the USS Enterprise. This is just really fascinating to me, the whole concept of 3D printing. It feels like it was just yesterday that we started hearing about 3D printing. Now, I know the technology has been around longer, but the media caught on and we got lots of stories about it. And it's just snowballed. And I find 3D printing fascinating because it really feels like replicators coming to life. It's the reality of the Star Trek replicator in a somewhat different form than we might expect. It's not the energy from Star Trek replicators that we're accustomed to, but rather it's an extension of printing technology as we know it. But it feels like it's leading towards that Star Trek future. And just the fact that you can 3D print something, period, in your own home, at prices that really aren't that different from what inkjet printers were, color inkjet printers when they first came out, or or color laser printers. Actually, it's much cheaper than color laser printers were when they first came out. It's really amazing. You know, to to go off track a little bit from this video here, from USC. My friend Tommy Kraft, who is a filmmaker and is someone who you've heard if you listen to the other shows on the network, because he's been with me on The Ready Room, on Warp 5, he's doing an Enterprise film called Star Trek Horizon, and he's doing it on an absolute shoestring budget, but he's doing amazing, amazing work with it. If you saw the videos, you would never, ever believe the small amounts of money that he is putting into the project. What he's doing, though, is he he got a 3D printer a couple of weeks ago, and he's actually 3D printing props now for the film. And so the the things that 3D printing opens up to us are amazing, and they have so many applications as well. And in this video from USC, what's going on here, uh, to demonstrate the advancement in 3D printing technology, which is a breakthrough, as I understand it from the video, of Yong Chen, this engineer at USC. It's uh, it's a video about a, a child named Eli, and he's doing a school project, and he's built this diorama, and it's really cute, actually. At the beginning of the video, he brings it in to his mom. She's sitting in the kitchen at the table, and he brings it in, and he's written out on a poster board by hand, 
in kind of sloppy handwriting because he's like, I don't know how old he is in the video. They don't say he's like six or seven, eight years old. And he's written out Star Trek Three: The Death of the USS Enterprise. And then his mom looks at it. I guess she's a Star Trek fan. And so this is cute, right? That her son made this. And she looks at it and there's like a Lego Millennium Falcon in there. And she's like, oh no, this isn't going to work. So she calls Yang Chen and she says, I need your help. I need an Enterprise. And he says that that would normally take five hours. But it's almost in Scotty fashion. It's like, you don't have five hours, so I'll do it for you in 15 minutes. Not those exact words, but it's the same feeling. And then they, they go back and forth between her getting Eli ready for school and driving him there. And they're going to stop by the office on the way and pick up this enterprise that Yong Shen is 3D printing for her. And so they actually show you the process of it being printed in the video. And it's just really, really interesting. And I mean, you can tell with 3D printing that we are in the early stages of this type of technology. But just the advancements that we have seen in recent years, it's, boy, when you imagine where it's going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, and then 200, 300 years from now, what are we going to have? I mean, of course, we're not going to be printing stuff in the way that we do now. I mean, maybe we are going to find a way to convert energy into matter, turn light into matter. There was actually a story about that the other day. So it's really cool. So I recommend that you go watch this video. It's really nicely done. It's very cute, Um, especially if you're a Star Trek fan and you have children like me, you'll really enjoy it. And um, I love the way that the mother in the video is encouraging her, her son. In fact, it's, it's really sweet. So watch that. And what I'd like to know from you is if you had a 3D printer, what is the first thing you would print? I cannot even think off the top of my head what I would print first because there's so many things that come to mind. Um, And I don't think we can print money. That's probably something that you're going to have to take off the table here. I have a feeling that printing money is not an option. Um, Maybe we could print gold-pressed latinum. I don't know about that. But tell me, what would you print? You can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. And uh, let me know what you would do. And by the way, thank you for everyone who has been sending me some feedback. I have been getting some feedback from the show here the past few days, and I do appreciate that. And uh, hit me up. I love to chat on Twitter. So let me know what you think. Next story here is about George Takei, and it doesn't involve... Oh my. Or maybe it does actually, because when Sulu speaks, people really listen and they jump into action for a good cause. And with what happened here, oh my, might be a good reaction. George Takei heard about a project over the weekend. Well, I don't know if he heard about it over the weekend, but he tweeted about it over the weekend. And it's a project from a North Idaho couple, Scott and Julie Brusaw that's designed to find new sources of alternative energy for us. And it's really very creative. What they want to do is they want to actually replace the traditional asphalt and, and concrete that we put everywhere. And they they want to actually make streets and sidewalks absorb power from the sun 
and generate energy that can power the cities where we find the streets and the sidewalks. It's really a cool idea. And George Takei found out about it, and he tweeted about it. And what he tweeted was, I like the sound of that. Worth a look. Dare to dream, I say. And I guess he shared the link to the Indiegogo campaign that the Brusaws have put together for this. And the next day, they passed their Indiegogo campaign goal of $1 million. And first of all, it speaks to the power of social media and to Twitter that you can mobilize people in this way. I mean, well, look what LeVar Burton did with Reading Rainbow, which we just talked about on here the past few days. And as I'm recording this right now, it's Monday morning in the U.S. And the total that they have right now is $1,851,198. So they're pushing $2 million now, just one day after they hit $1 million. Now, certainly it's not all due to George Decay. They've been getting a lot of press coverage about this project. But still, I love the Star Trek connection as well. Because again, Star Trek is about looking to the future. How do we solve the problems that plague us in the world today? Gene Roddenberry saw a future where we had solved all the problems that plague us. And and George Takei is helping us get there. The project itself is really forward-looking. I like to see people who are trying to use alternative energy sources from natural sources like the sun or from wind power I see it all around me right now. So I live in the Tokyo area. And, I mean, we don't have the best weather for solar power. It rains a lot here. And, of course, in the summer we have rainy season, which goes on for six weeks or more, where it just rains almost every day. And it'll go like a week and it'll just rain and rain and rain. Nevertheless, the houses around me people have really started installing solar panels. Um, I The house I'm in right now, I built this house about five years ago, maybe six years ago now. And when when we built the house, there was only like one house in the area that had solar panels. We looked into putting solar panels on this house, but at the time, the cost of the panels was prohibitive. It was extremely expensive, and it would take us many, many, many years to get a return on investment. Now, I still do plan to put solar panels on my house sometime in the future, probably with with what I'm seeing around me right now, probably in the next five years or so. All the houses around me now are installing solar panels. And I used to live for a while in Reno, Nevada. And Reno, it's sunny most of the year. It snows a lot in the winter, but still it's sunny more often than not. And in the summer, it's sunny all the time. And it's the absolute perfect place for solar power. It's also the perfect place for wind power. Where I lived in Reno, it was so windy all the time. It was south Reno, right before you go into the Carson Valley, if you head out towards Carson City. So windy all the time. And I was shocked at the minimal use what I considered minimal use of solar and wind power there. Because to me, it was a no-brainer that you would have solar panel farms and wind 
power farms there. It, you know, there should be windmills everywhere, and there weren't. So it was really odd to me. It may be different now. It's been a while since I lived there, so they may have um, actually capitalized on that now, and I hope they did. But this is a really, really good idea that the Broussals have, and they're, they got a grant, actually, from the Federal Highway Administration for $750,000. And they used that money to build a small parking pad next to their workshop. And they used 108 of these panels that they are developing. And it was a great you know, proof of concept for the project. And now the city of Sandpoint has actually applied for a federal grant to use the technology in a test project downtown. And that's great to hear that a city is is going to do this because it has to start somewhere. And if they can show that it works in a small city, then you can gain the interest of larger cities and people that have even more money to throw at the project. The Broussals are also hoping to build a small manufacturing plant in Sandpoint within the next year to help further this project. And if, if their Indiegogo campaign is any indication... I think that it shows there is a lot of interest in this. So I've gone on and on about this long enough here, no doubt. If you'd like to find out more about it, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Indiegogo campaign. Or just go to Indiegogo.com and look up Solar Roadways and you'll find it. And what I would also like to hear from you is that if you live in an area where solar power is an obvious solution, like I did when I lived in Reno... Or even if it's not a perfect solution, like it is for me now here in Tokyo, how is your community adopting the technology? Are you seeing solar panels pop up on the houses all around you the way I am in my neighborhood? And what other alternative energy sources are you seeing uh, appearing in your area? I, I would just like to know, you know what the adoption is like where you are. Now, I do have my usual network update for you as I close out the show today, and we have one new show for you today. As I mentioned yesterday, June 1st marked the 30th anniversary of the premiere of The Search for Spock, and Monday every week is the release day for Standard Orbit here at Trek of Film. That's our original series show hosted by Drew Stewart and Mike Schindler. And this week, Drew and Mike are looking back at Star Trek Three on its 30th anniversary, and they discuss the first times they saw the movie, remembering what their experiences were, what they like about the movie, and also how it might undo the wrath of Khan. They also talk about the odd number movie rule, which of course every Star Trek fan knows about, and whether or not it's accurate. And they even compare the movie to Alien 3. Now you'll find the show in your feeds right now if you're subscribed to the individual feed for Standard Orbit or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. You can also catch it through your favorite podcast source. We're in iTunes, we're in Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker Swell, Blackberry. We're pretty much everywhere. We are the Jeffrey Combs of Star Trek Podcast Networks. Just look us up and you're going to find us. If you don't have a favorite podcast source and you prefer just to stream from the website, you can do that as well. We have the shows on our pages with the SoundCloud player, so just hop over there and click play, and you're good to go. Also, the RSS link is there, so if you use a third-party app, um, you know, one of the small podcatchers, or like I do, actually, you know, I use Instacast, that's my podcatcher of choice, you can just grab the RSS link and pop that right in there and catch all your favorite shows that way. 
Well, that is our look at news for today. Remember, if you're streaming this show from our website, you can have it delivered directly to your phone, directly to your tablet, wherever you want to get it, by subscribing to the Hyper Channel show feed or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed, which contains every episode of every show we do. It's a great way to sample all the offerings we have across the network. And I'd love to chat with you about the stories that I talked about here on the show today. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. I use the same username everywhere on social media, so you can find me wherever you are. Twitter is my favorite social media platform, so that's the best place to find me if you want to chat. You can also find the network there. Our username is TrekFM. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. Also on Google+, we have a community. Just search G Plus Communities for Trek.fm. We have traditional forums on our website at trek.fm slash forums. And you can even send us a voicemail right there from the website. Just look in the left sidebar on any show page on the new website, and you'll see a link right there. Click it, and you can use your webcam's microphone or your smartphone microphone to record a message and upload it to us from the page. And I'd love to hear your voice, so, so please do send me a voicemail. Well, that is all the news I have for you today. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with some more stories for you. Hope your week gets off to a great start. And until next time, go watch some Trek. Trek.